don't only do it, but try to feel it. Mm. Try to feel what this movement is bringing into your body, which energy creates. Because it's, I'm talking a lot about energies today, but that's all is about. Like, we are mm-hmm. energies, everything is energy. And if you feel it, you're able to use it, transmit it. Hello, everyone. You're listening to the Baladins Live podcast. I'm your host, Jana Komarnitska, and I'm thrilled to share a new portion of dance inspiration with you. If you are a new listener, welcome to the show. Don't forget to subscribe and receive automatic updates about our new episodes. And if you are our regular listener, welcome back. Please leave your reviews on whichever app you're listening. They really help me promote the show and spread awareness about Baladins art form. Plus, I really like like hearing back from you. On this note, let's get to our today's episode. Cross-training is the key to successful dancing. It may sound shocking, but it's true, especially if you don't see improvement in your skills. And why not cross-train doing what you already love? Sharky, the belly dance workout is what happens when authentic belly dance meets high-energy fitness. Sharky builds endurance for your gigs, stamina for your technique, and strength and flexibility to prevent injuries. From cardio and core to strength and stretch, their membership has everything you need to dance your best. Both live online and recorded options are available. Try them out for only $5 for the first week. They guarantee that you'll love their workouts and supportive community. Join now at sharky.com slash online, S-H-A-R-Q-U-I dot com slash online, direct link in the show notes. Recording interviews in person is always a very special treat. And something tells me that this summer there will be really many of these opportunities to connect in person with many different dancers and share our conversations with you on the Belly Dance Live podcast. But today we also have one of those very special episodes and with such an amazing artist. Sylvia Brazoli is a professional dancer, instructor, yoga teacher, painter, and pizza lover based in Italy. She found her biggest love for oriental dance at the age of 18, and since then she has been dancing and teaching professionally all around the world. The growth of a dancer is a never-ending journey, and Sylvia is also constantly researching, traveling, and training in oriental dance and other dance styles, influencing the development of her own style. In this episode, you will learn about Sylvia's journey and discovery of belly dance and how belly dance and yoga can complement each other, especially on the healing journey or self-discovery journey. We also talked about her transition into professional dance life because that was not her always her original like plan A, but very quickly transitioned into that. So we talked about beginning her professional career and approaching dance as a job. We also talked about her teaching activities and uh, her approach to students, what um, what is important for her to bring up in her students, sharing knowledge as a teacher and differences between teaching ongoing regular classes, uh, vice versa, on one-time workshops. 
as well as we talked about style and finding yourself, uh, yourself in dance, how to be true to yourself, how to feel what you really dancing and what you're doing on stage and how to transform it into a magical moment share it with your audience so all this and as always a little bit more in this today's episode so let's dive into it and uh, don't forget at the end to screenshot this uh, interview share it on social media tag me tag sylvia and let us know which of the moment you like the most from this conversation Are you ready for the magic of authentic Egyptian dance, personal discovery and empowerment? If so, discover Joanna Saira's online dance school, a place where your uniqueness is celebrated and dance and personal growth go hand in hand. Egyptian oriental and folkloric dance styles taught with a pioneering method bringing the best of the East and the West together a platform that will offer you much more than you bargained for. Joanna Zaira, the founder of this platform, started her career in Egypt and from there she traveled the world sharing the beauty and power of Egyptian dance. Now it's your time to receive some of those treasures. Check the available courses at joannasaira.com. Direct link to the website is in the show notes. I'm honestly so happy to not only have you on the podcast, but meet you in person and have opportunity to record this in Brazil at Mercado Perso. It's a knowledge event, a really big and um, important event for Brazil and the world. But I'm very happy to meet you here as a guest teacher and had opportunity and pleasure to talk to you and interview you for the podcast. And I'm very happy to be here and finally meet you in real life in Brazil at Mercado Perso. So this is a very um, happy chance for me. Mm, true, like social media like gives impression that you follow each other and you know each other, but it's different. Like, you know, oh, we finally meet in person. And sometimes you think like, really, is it the first time we see each other? <laughs> yeah, it feels weird. Like we know each other, but now we really met. Yes. Uh, I would like to start very typically, very traditional, okay. how we start from the very beginning. Because right now we are meeting uh, your guest teacher at a very big festival, one of the biggest festivals in the world, if not the most, and it's very prestigious. And you are acknowledged, professional, established star, invited internationally to come to Brazil. But I'm very curious, how did everything start? Do you remember your very first ballet dance class and you were just a beginner? Of course, I do remember it. And that's a funny story. It was by chance, like totally by random fact. I had, this is not a fun story. I had a very intense and sad moment in my life. And I was suggested by doctors and specialists to take yoga classes or some meditation classes to help me processing what I was dealing with. So I started to do yoga classes. And with my university time and schedule with the yoga classes was not working Mm -hmm. anymore. So the studio owner suggested me to take dance class instead of yoga class. They were like, you paid already, why don't you try belly dance? And I was like, Okay, I mean, I signed up for something different, but let's try. Five minutes into the class, I totally fell in love. It was like, uh, I don't know how to explain it. 
but I always been passionate about Egypt. It was something that fascinated me since childhood. Mm -hmm. I had this big passion for Egypt, for history of Egypt, for dance, of course. And that, that moment with the music, with the dance, something clicked in my brain and I fell in love like forever. After that first class, as a beginner, it was like the beginning of my new life as a dancer. Since day one, I never stopped and the love of for this dance just grow bigger and bigger and bigger day after day. Mm, so interesting to know, like mm. you mentioned that your love and passion to Egypt and history of Egypt and even dance, you mentioned that it yeah. was prior to your class. But I, I kind of, I don't know how, uh, well, I know how because of these things that happened in my life, I kind of really erased my passions, myself, me as as a human so i didn't feel myself anymore and this moment with dance brought all these emotions back as they were stuck and that's why i'm also so in love with dance because more than yoga of course i'm, I'm still doing yoga and i'm also a yoga teacher it gave me tools to heal deep from from within with the love mm. of the dance uh, i healed myself i fell back in love fell Mm -hmm. Felt in love. Felt in love back with myself, with all my dreams and emotions and what all that I lived in the past that was somehow erased by this bad situation mm -hmm. that I lived. I'm curious to ask uh, you from perspective of both a student who were coming into some activities uh, for like healing and we all go through some psychological reasons to these activities, even if they think, oh, it's practical, like for fitness or health, mm -hmm. it's always there is something on the line. So you were searching these activities for the healing and you went first to yoga and then you, by chance, got sort of transferred into the belly dance. But now you're also a teacher of both yoga mm -hmm. and belly dance. Why do you think for you, belly dance as a healing tool, a processing tool, worked better than yoga not to say that oh belly dance mm -hmm. is better than yoga but for you okay. why why did it happen like this well it works combined as i said i do both so it's just a matter of the schedule that i stopped doing yoga mm -hmm. but as soon as i fixed my life i went back also doing yoga mm -hmm. and for me dancing yoga goes along it's like it feels like a never-ending journey that you're both like you start one day and you never end like your whole life you're a student and this is how I feel and I think that through movement yoga unlocks some somehow the energies but through dance I was able I was able also to connect with the musicality that uh, didn't only connect uh, with the music and some energies, but also deeper into my soul. So it was a connection um, also with the music. I love Arabic music and it felt like a process of healing all combined mm. with the movement. How the music is making me feel, is making me react, is making me... Um, uh, create new energies from the, from the inside, from my heart. It sounds like uh, yoga helped you to unlock energy, but mm -hmm. dance helped you to move that energy. <laughs> yes, maybe you got it better than me. <laughs> no, it's, it's interesting because sometimes it's difficult yes. to explain feelings about yes. dance. And I don't know, maybe it's the 
biggest passion that I have for the music and for the culture that creates more emotions in me and felt more like healing. Mm. But I was able to express all this negative energy that maybe I had in my life and they came out through dance, through movement and not only the bad energies because at some point I had also good ones and I feel like I can express them, I can manage them, I can share them. As I was a student, I was sharing them with my students' buddies, like the other students and with the teacher. As continuing the journey and being a teacher, you still share these energies with your students, with other teachers, like right now in these events, with everybody you meet. And it's a continuing sharing of experiencing, of, of feelings. And this really helped me healing Yoga is different, but still it's kind of somehow the same journey, mm-hmm. I would say. That's why I use them both and they stayed in my life, both dance and yoga. Ah, it's so interesting. Thanks for sharing. And mm-hmm. it's interesting, like, dance is known for therapeutic, like, uh, qualities. We even have, like, dance uh, movement, dance movement therapy, disciplines, etc. And it's interesting how ballet dance often helps also in this path. And it's interesting to know, like different paths and impressions and journeys of different people because this is such an individual topic that there are no like real like comparisons and thanks for sharing (laughs) thank you for asking i think it has a therapeutic effect either if you want it or not like i see it on my students i saw it on myself first so i really believe it can heal you it and it can make you fall in love with yourself really like every inch of your body and you feel comfortable in your body, but I really saw it on my students. For example, I have some students, they come in the class first day and they say, can I just be in the back? I don't like my body. I don't like myself. And this happened so many times. And I felt so bad because I know what it means to hate yourself, to hate your body. And through dance, I see class after class, they come in the front row, they start to enjoy their bodies. They really love how they feel. It's a long process but it's taking you somewhere, either if you want it or not, it's having a good effect on your body, on your brain and on your mind. Uh, that's so, so true. I'm also like remembering my story uh, because when I came to first class, I actually didn't really like ballet dance. It was like, oh, whatever. But what I liked, it was teacher's energy and her like calmness and femininity and all those movements, it was very fluid. And that caught me and that's totally psychological. It's like we are searching for something and we get, we find it in different places. And sometimes it's just about energy of dance. Of course, it's energy of a person too, but it's in combination. It kind of attracts people with a certain energy, so it kind of like, you will never realize where you will find your own call, like, oh, that's what pulls you. Uh, when I was thinking about this interview, uh, like, this is a free flow conversation, but of course I'm always trying, like, you know, to find out even more research, not just, like, from my impression or what I know from following each other on social media. Uh, so... From what I found out, you started uh, ballet dance classes, you were about 18 years old. Yes. This is the age when we already start thinking about our future, about possible careers. Uh, so before you came to ballet dance class and after first minute fell in love with ballet dance, what was your thinking or um, 
idea of your potential future career? Okay, as I mentioned, I was going at university and I was studying to be a graphic designer. So that was my first uh, plan, let's <laughs> say in this way. So I graduated. I worked a little bit as a graphic designer, a few months, but then I decided to be a full-time dancer. And how that... Wasn't it easy decision for you to go right away full-time as a dancer, as a profession? Was it clear what exactly, um, how it can work out? Like, did you have examples of someone who did succeeded in making ballet dance as a full-time or was it just a dream like oh I just want to dance like was it clear or not clear was it easier to transition to ballet mm -hmm. dance like suddenly after just a few months of work <laughs> yeah that's you know I don't come from an artistic family I'm the first one doing this um, artistic path mm -hmm. in my family and I had a safe job, so it was not um, an easy decision at the beginning because I have a safe job, a safe pay, and being an artist, I live in Italy, isn't easy. But I was young, so I felt it was the time to follow my heart, and then I decided to live in that way my whole life. Even though it's risky, it's hard, you work so much, but I use my skill as a graphic designer still when I was a dancer, because you're a dancer too, so you know you have to dance, you, you're still a student, student your whole life, you're a teacher, but you need to promote yourself, and I had tools to do it because I was still using my graphic designer skill for promotion of my work, so it, it worked in the end that I combined my previous career with the, the one that I was actually following, but yeah, it was an easy transition. It took me, like, couple of years so I, I was like let's give it a try if it works I will stick with it but my passion was too huge so then it became the dance career became the plan a without any doubt because mm. that's what I wanted to do I felt good it made me happy helping the students felt good and sharing this culture and falling more in love with the culture of Arabic music and yeah that's it mm. it was my plan a <laughs> Looking back, did you ever regret about this decision? Absolutely not. <laughs> Absolutely not. It was the best one in my life. That's so cool to hear. Thinking about your first steps towards professional career, mm -hmm. what was that for you? My first step, in which way? When you decided, okay, I want to make it as my work and like career, full-time mm -hmm. income. Where did you go first? In, in which direction even where to start? Like, I'm asking not, like, in a sense of advice today for someone, but how did it work out for you? The oh, yes. I got it. It was uh, just a matter of happiness. What made me more happy? I love my graphic designer job, but being in an office for uh, eight hours a day, I saw that my creativity was um, killed by being seated and staring at a monitor. And I didn't want to do that for the rest of my life. I just wanted to create, I wanted to experience, I wanted to live. So <laughs> that was my choice. <laughs> and did you try to establish like a teaching career in Italy? Or did you try to focus on international career? Like in terms of ballet dance career, like where, what was your, let's say, practical steps or ideas? Like, okay, how to make it possible that it's not just like a hobby or passion, but actually like full-time job yes my first idea was to create 
a dance community where I live. Mm -hmm. So my main goal uh, was to establish, establish a nice group of dancers, uh, passionate, to be able to continue sharing my passion because, you know, you need to have students. It can be my dream, but I need to be realistic. I need to have like dance classes and students. So I wanted to create a nice community. And I never really thought about, I want to be an international star. So I know some, some dancers and I'm not judging. They start with this big goal. I want to be famous. I want to be amazing. I want to be a star. I just felt like I want to be happy and I want to use this tool I have, like the dance, to make other people as happy as this dance made me to be. Mm -hmm. So it was just a matter of making people the best version of themselves. <laughs> through dance and then this just spiral in a way that people started to call me and I joined some dance troupe because I just wanted to experience and then they started to call me abroad and somehow I ended up nowadays in Brazil <laughs> for some reason like it it flow um, easily right. without expectation maybe that's cool like mm -hmm. uh, it's again like every journey is so individual and uh, um, I was just really curious to explore yours because I know many young dancers who now dream of career. They was like, oh, how to do it, how to do it. And there are one approach, you have a specific goal and you work towards it. Like I know many dancers go through competition routes trying mm -hmm. to establish career. Some, and it also talks about the focus and it can be from practical point of view choosing okay which area of ballet dance you actually work want to work is it performance performance locally performance at festivals because it's a different thing teaching what kind of teaching or maybe researching or doing costume modeling like finding mm -hmm. what makes you happy but i already mentioned this as a comment but i like how you first like Actually, your response, your first reaction, first sentence was not about practical tips or suggestions. Mm -hmm. It was actually the most practical. It was where the happiness is. Because that's the main question. So many dancers just follow like sort of a path that we think, oh, okay, we start here, then we need to do this, then we need to do this. And they lost that sense of like, okay, but why am I doing it? What makes me happy? And I really like, like, you know, you started like, no... Let's start first, what makes me happy, why I'm choosing to do ballet dance in first place, and then, at secondly, beyond just having a passion. Mm -mm, mm -mm. So that was very cool. I think it's important, like, you're giving, as a teacher, you're giving so much. If you don't have uh, an idea of why you're doing it, and just a plan, like, I want to start here and end over there, I think, as you say, you get lost somehow. But if you use the intention you really have, Maybe the plans won't go according, like, or easily from point A to point B. But you will give a lot and you will receive a lot from the universe, I guess, also unexpected, maybe. And yeah, that's it. Well, I guess uh, if your goal or plan is to be happy in dance, the execution for you doesn't really matter. And you will find that place if you just follow that call, inner call of where what makes me happy. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's true. Dance. You mentioned that you are really also in love with Arabic music and you mm -hmm. were in love. Um, did your familiarity with Arabic music, uh, did it come from ballet dance classes or it came from your 
or did it come from your previous interest in Egyptian culture prior to your belly dance classes? Well, um, I think it came even before because I love music in general. So I was obsessed with um, music and I can switch from very different music genres. And yes, after the classes, <laughs> the first belly dance classes, I got more interest into Arabic music. But still was even before mm -hmm. somehow, but then I really paid attention. Like before it was, okay, I like this sound, but then I really started to love it. And then dig deeper with composers, with musicians, mm -hmm. with a classics music, which is still my favorite Arabic classic music. And still nowadays music, I love it. But my favorite is the old classic oh. recording, you know, the, the one back in the days. And yeah. Which one is your favorite song? Oh. <laughs> okay, tell three, tell three. <laughs> I can just tell that Abdelalim Afes is one of my favorites. So most of his song is like my favorite, of course. And I really like Feirus too. And uh, of course, Um Kalsum. I'm just saying names. <laughs> you know. Well, you 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 mentioned three names. <laughs> yeah, three names, and then I have so many. Like this is my favorite. <laughs> I see. Um, and your interest in Egypt and Egypt culture and history. Uh, prior to Belden's classes, I'm really curious, like where it came from and. Uh, was it any specific like subject? Because if you talk about like oh, Egyptian culture, history, it's a huge topic. It can be so many. What was your main like you know spark that you like? Oh, I was really interested or curious about that. And um, we briefly mentioned, but do you thinking back at that time in the beginning of your interest? Do you kind of realize or know why you got interested in this? Why that subject fascinated you at all? Interested? Because that came before belly dance classes. After yes. belly dance classes, I don't like, it's obvious, but before, like what, what, uh, how did it caught you? <laughs> you know that I don't really know, but I remember since childhood, maybe watching TV, some documentary about ancient Egypt, not modern days, Egypt, mm -hmm. got me totally locked to the screen for some reason that I cannot really explain. It's like, it's super fascinating to me. And whatever articles I found with hieroglyphics, how is hieroglyphics, hieroglyphics. hieroglyphics. <laughs> and pyramids. So th that back ancient Egyptian history got me totally fascinated for a reason that I cannot really explain. Mm. It's like, you love something, you see something, it's like, oh, I'm obsessed but I don't really have a reason why. I don't have any connection. I don't have any descendants, descendant or um, ancestor heritage, as heritage mm -hmm. <laughs> from um, that side of the globe. So I don't know exactly why, mm. it's just there. We never know like where, I mean, our interests, we don't choose our interests, our interests choose us. <laughs> yes, choose maybe, us. maybe. Um, this is a generic question, but did you ever had opportunity to travel to Cairo and see like pure? <laughs> oh, of course, I course. assume you did. But like, uh, when was your first trip? And I'm asking from the point of view of your interest in ancient Egyptian history. Mm -hmm. Like, uh, do you remember your impressions finally seeing those 
oh, maybe places. It's stupid, but the first time I saw the pyramids from far away, I just started to cry, which is, I don't know, like, it, it was, I was shocked at myself. I was like, why are you crying? Like, I, I didn't know. And then I really love Cairo. It's, there is something in the air. There is something in the people in, there is so much energy. Mm. I'm a very sensitive person. Maybe I feel a lot, but in Cairo is like, is recharging me. Even though it's crowded, it's noisy, it's with pollution and dust and noises all the time. <laughs> to me, it feels like a recharging place. Mm -hmm. And was your first trip uh, after belly dance classes? Or oh, yes, it was way after I started to do belly dance classes. Then I finally had the chance to go there and I was super happy. And the last one was the last summer. So <laughs> I remember the last one better. So finally, belly dance classes got you excuse mm -hmm. to finally go and, and uh, uh, satisfy your interest in ancient yes. history too. Um, I bet you probably researched before Baladin's classes and after the topic of ancient Egyptian culture from dance perspective. You mm. probably got curious about that or have impression. I'm curious to ask, did your understanding of Egyptian culture uh, and history, did it change after you start doing Baladin's classes? Or you were kind of already on that lane of really digging and trying to research that you didn't really have any, you know, discoveries or surprises, digging mm -hmm. deeper into that culture from perspective of also dance. It's always a surprise. <laughs> if you go to Egypt on <laughs> ancient culture, it's always a surprise. You know, we often have different stereotypes and we are, okay, we are curious about culture and history, but mm -hmm. we maybe not digging super deep. So we do have certain stereotypes, impressions, and then belly dance for many dances it pushes to research further and more and then we have those clicks who discovers oh that's not how i thought about it before so i'm curious it's a very mm. general open question if anything like that you had with a topic of egyptian or ancient egyptian dances because there are also many talks about belly dance connected to ancient egyptian dance and there are many talks many different talks and there is none that is like this is a certain one so i'm a very curious person so i took as many chances that i have to listen to different people teacher masters conferences and it came after the classes my interest in to dig deeper because i felt like this is not part of my culture and since I'm a teacher and I'm teaching something that is not in my culture, I need to really understand it. Mm -hmm. So it totally came after. And did it change the way I dance? I don't know. I don't know if, if it's changed, but I feel like um, I'm really respectful. I try to be respectful of a culture that isn't mine understanding as much as I can and learning as much as I can. Coming back to the topic of teaching mm. and you as a teacher today, mm. what do you feel is kind of the main message you want to deliver to your students, you know? Like what, what matters for you as a teacher in your class? Uh -huh more than one thing so starting with the first one i as we say the healthy process of dancing to make people feel good with themselves 
through dance, then I like to make people fall in love also with culture and music, which is not ours. And then what I really love to see on my students is that they become themselves. Uh, I don't, I don't know if it's easy for me because it's easier to create copies of me. Like I teach and I want everybody to be amazing as me. What I try to do is like I see potential and I really push people to understand music and respond in their own way and become themselves using the tool I give them. It's not easy sometimes. It takes time, but I'm happy with the results I'm seeing with my students and also when I'm teaching internationally, I give some tools <laughs> okay. to um, be themselves, the, touch, the, the dancer, to really express what they feel. Not just copy, but see their potential, their movement, their love for this dance, their respond. Mm, that's very, very relevant. And I think we're kind of circling back to this idea that uh, very often dancers just follow like the path that is already established is like oh you start taking classes then you go try to teach you do competition and forget asking themselves like what do they actually like want and makes them happy and that's the same applies to the scale of just dancing and style performing and expressing uh do you feel as a teacher what brings you more satisfaction mm -hmm. uh, which is totally a personal question as a teacher yes, yes. but is it working with someone who is very focused on trying to become a professional dancer not necessarily in terms of having it as a profession but like i want to reach the professional level of performance and to work with those students or to work with someone who is kind of relaxed on that but more using dance just for the joy or happiness or exploration and I'm sure you take pleasure in working with all students, but we all as a teachers have like, you know, that sparks me like this focus. So was it for mm -hmm. you, is it for you like students who aim for professional level and you can find, help them to find their personal voice in dance or individuality? Or is it more like who just like maybe hobby or they're passionate about, but it's not their real, like the main struggle, but then maybe dance becomes more like a self-explorative, like to like, what is it for you? I really like them both. <laughs> I don't have one that is my favorite. It's two different journey. And I have both. <laughs> like nowadays I have both. And I really enjoy going with students that they just want to spend one night with other dancers, have fun, forget what they have at home, enjoy their bodies, move a little bit. So just enjoy the night that mm -hmm. we have together. And then I really like to stay with people who tell me, I would love to do this professionally. So uh, help me become a teacher. Tell me what I should do to be a professional dancer. It's another journey, but they are equally important to me. Mm -hmm. And how teaching regular classes, I mean, regular in person or online, uh, how is it different from teaching workshops in sense that you mentioned that even at the workshops, which is a one-time thing for students, you're trying to give tools to help them find their like personal journey, personal voice. And it's one thing to have students on a regular basis that you can dig deep, you see the progress, you can see like really know, get to know a person and see what she needs. 
And it's another thing to be in front in a room full of let's say strangers who you may see at some point in your life at another festival or maybe just one time uh, point like contact. How you manage? That's the question, actually. How do you manage in the format of a workshop, which is a one-time event, still get that tools, tips, or message to help students to find their individual happy place in dance? Uh, because usually festivals and workshops, it's about technical choreography. So how do you incorporate that element into the workshops? Well, I need to think a lot. <laughs> like normally classes, when you see, you're gonna see people every Monday for the rest of their life. It's easier because you know you have time. When you have workshop, you know you have only one hour. So I'm thinking a lot before my classes, what can I give? And I'm very happy that recently when sponsors call me, they go more into technique rather than choreography, mm. which makes me very happy. Like I'm happier to teach um, technique than choreography. Choreography, it's important. Like they can see how you move with the music. You can still give ideas, but with technique, I'm very happy because I can put even in one hour, some tips here and there. I, I know how to give them to, as I said, give them a little tools to be themselves in the end. So I hope in only one hour I can give something that will stay forever. <laughs> so I know it's, it's a lot, but I'm giving a lot as a teacher. I give a lot, even though somebody tell me, don't give all your knowledge, you are not afraid, like they won't come back. I'm like, no, like I know, <laughs> you're with me, so I see I'm your face. face yes. <laughs> but some teachers, they, um, I would suggest sometimes not to give too much which is strange because to me, I feel like even if I meet you for one hour, I'm giving you as much as I can. I give you so much of my knowledge, even in one hour, that hopefully will stay with you. Maybe you won't remember it, but in one point, in two months, in one year, something will click and you were like, oh, she told me this and it can be useful. So I hope that will stay at the end of the class. Yeah, unfortunately, we have still in ballet dance, even in 2023, we have this scarcity mentality of what if I will share everything? And that's such a. I'm trying to find the word like correct, appropriate for the podcast era. But yeah, it's such a silly idea because. Um, in many other industries, not even like art-related, uh, it's already like established and recognized. Like, yeah, the more you share, the more people actually trust you, see you, and actually want to come in and study with you. Because if they see, even for free, like sharing, th there is a lot of this mentality in other industries of education. Because if they see, for instance, if you share this much, like for free, let's say, how much can you share? in your paid courses, classes. The same plus, if you share this much in one hour, I can imagine what you can share in three hours if I take a personal one-on-one -on -one class or attend another workshop. But in ballet dance, we are so scared. We, we still think like, oh, I will just tell everything at once and uh, they so will, they will come back. Something like this, not everything, so they will come back. 
I don't know. It's strange. How, but it, how did it know that there is something else left to come back even? <laughs> true, right? And it actually, I feel, very often backfires because students feel it. I feel too. Yes. And I bet in your building's journey, like you as a student, and I definitely can say that you feel the teacher is holding back some information and that's the worst for teacher because as a student, I don't want to come back to the same teacher. That's Why? True. If she was holding information once, she'll do it again. So that's what's true. the point? <laughs> I will ask you actually on this note, if you don't mind, uh, since you're talking also about sharing information, maybe you can give one tip for our listeners in the question of, okay, how to be yourself in dance? Like whatever comes first to your mind and you don't mind sharing, something that every person can either think or do, depends what, what tip came to your mind, to find that place like, how can I be myself in ballet dance? Well, I have this mentality that it won't happen from magic. Like, you won't wake up one day and you will find yourself. So if I can suggest something fast <laughs> and efficient is try to work every day on yourself. And this is also my working method on every topic. It's not that I spend 15 hours and then I pretend to be perfect after 15 hours. Maybe I spend three minutes every day, but every day and consistency will give you the possibility to really understand who you are. Let's keep it simple. Maybe just a figure eight. Let's say we play with a figure eight for three minutes a day for a week. At the end of the week, that figure eight will change in so many ways that you will find your own special way if you do it for a year. <laughs> it's so a little bit, three minutes a day mm -hmm. to give yourself permission to focus on yourself and feel yourself how you react, how you respond to movement, that will help you, I think, find your own way mm. to move. That's a very cool tip. Mm. And it also shows it doesn't need to be like super long or overwhelming, like whatever you can. Uh, would you mind sharing what is your practice or training routine and approach for yourself these days? Like, aren't I? Yes, like normally my days goes, I start always with yoga. So my body needs it at least half an hour. If I don't have time, 10 minutes, but I give my body some love through yoga. Then I try to dance at least 10 minutes a day, but for myself, which can be even just for super fun, mm -hmm. not belly dance at all or other dance style. And then of course I'm teaching. So every day I spend a lot of time dancing and working at least every day, three hours classes. So I know I work a lot and I don't want to scare people thinking, oh, we need a lot of time to, to dedicate, to become, to become good. As I said, it, it can be a short amount of time that you can dedicate, but for me, it's also like, it's a hobby, it's a work, it's a passion. So I work with dance, but then my hobbies dance. And then when I have time, what do I do? I dance. <laughs> so basically I, I end up dancing eight hours a day. Uh-huh. And what is your, do you have any specific, let's say, like uh, focus or goal on improving currently at this point yourself, like as a dancer, mm -hmm. do you have anything like that specific? Yes, now I'm working on Moroccan dances, 
which were not so known. And now I'm dedicating a lot of time into exploring more Moroccan dances. Mm, that's so cool. And I know at least the impression that I get from your videos, your social media, that you actually explore many different dance yes. styles. Uh, how many different dance styles you tried in your life? Oh, too many. <laughs> Currently, I'm doing, of course, belly dance. I'm doing Lindy Hop, swing dances, all solo jazz. So oh. now I started with pandemic, but it got me totally in love. And I like it because it's very different. But then I, I used to dance also, and when I have time, I do it, Polynesian dances. Mm -hmm. So hula or itaiti. And I dance flamenco too. <laughs> and then I'm probably forgetting something else in between. Hip hop when I have time. Like I love to dance. Of course, belly dance is my biggest passion, but I really love all dance style. And as soon as I have time, I just take other classes, other mm -hmm. dance style classes. Because I think it's enriching me into what I do. Mm -hmm. And how would you describe your style of ballad dance style? Is it more like closer to Egyptian style? Because you were talking about a lot about Egyptian, love to Egyptian culture. Or is it more like, I'm just now, it's again, open, generic. I'm just pointing like, or would you personally describe your style? I don't know, maybe Turkish or Lebanese or maybe fusion. Like, how do you feel about your style? Do you try to get into the style? Do you try to mix like for you personal because it's one thing as an audience we see but it's different as an artist how you feel about this i think i'm doing many things <laughs> according to my mood like sometimes i can go more into fusion so it's really fusion between belly dance and something else but most of the time i stick with classic belly dance and i'm obsessed with old videos <laughs> and i think i watch them so many times that somehow they got into my body <laughs> and it's mostly what I do like the old days classic belly dance mm -hmm. without too much acrobatic or um, I don't know modern elements and yeah depends on my mood <laughs> no that's cool but if you're talking about like as a main center focus like classic belly dance so we were talking just that you take uh, different classes and explorations in different dance genres other than ballet dance. And you do it out of passion. You just love exploring. But on a practical side, do you feel exploring other completely different dance genres? Do they help your classic ballet dance style, mood and technique? Do they help it? Or do they get in the conflict and you kind of need to learn or relearn certain patterns like... No, it's helping on so many levels. First of all, talking about students. Like now I started with um, solo jazz and Nini Hop and feeling as a student myself, like from zero, I changed also as I'm teaching because I felt a beginner again, like from zero. Mm. And I realized I need to change how I was teaching belly dance because I felt again like... Uh, starting from zero, I need more time to repeat. So I was like, okay, I need to slow down on my classes because I felt again a student. So that was super helpful. Mm. And I'm always loving to go back to zero because I like the feeling. But then also is adding a lot on how your body moves. Because on belly dance, we have so many movements, but somehow your body is stick to those movements. And if you try something new, you have more space to create something new with your mm -hmm. body that maybe you would have not done it. So thank you to these new dances. I 
maybe add some extra touches, some extra floor uh, transitions or footsteps that was not in my brain before. Mm -hmm. And then, for example, talking about Fedus, I discovered that she has some jazz song. And then when I listened to them, I was like, uh-huh, now I know what to do. Before, I would have danced them in a totally different way, but now that I have more knowledge, something more special will come out. So I think it's so cool. helping a lot on so many levels. As a teacher, you may uh, encounter some students who really want to learn many different dance styles, many different genres. They're just so passionate. And uh, it often happens with the beginners. So as a teacher, would you recommend someone who is in the beginning of their Belgian journey to try to approach several dance styles, different dance styles at once, or would you not recommend doing that? I would recommend at the beginning to start with the basic of one dance. Then when you're comfortable, maybe add something else. Because having too many informations on different subjects as a starting point is not the best, I think. When you get comfortable, you can add more. Mm -hmm. But at the beginning, I think it's not the best idea. But that's my personal point of view. Maybe, maybe for somebody else is the best goal, like or the best thing to learn totally different things at the same time. For me, it doesn't really work. Mm -hmm. I see. And uh, currently, do you teach online classes or you just focus on local classes and international trips? I'm, I'm teaching online classes. I started during pandemic almost like everyone. <laughs> And I really liked them. I didn't know, but at the beginning it was difficult. I was not used to teach online. But then I really like that you can somehow feel the energies even through the net. And it got me connected with people that I, I didn't know and that became like my regular student. They are mm. living in India, they are living in Norway, they are living in, in US. So... I didn't thought about online classes before, but now I'm really enjoying having it because it's another way to connect with people mm -hmm. that would have not had a chance to meet me in events or in Italy or... Of course. Yeah. And for our listeners, just to know, like, uh, what, how do you structure your, currently, your online classes? Is it goes by courses? Is it going to be by workshops? Is it ongoing group classes or is it just personal classes? It can be both. I'm always offering personal classes, but it's monthly group classes. So that's uh, what I've been doing for the past years. And this year was um, eight classes, four connected to Raksharki and four to Folkloric. So that, mm -hmm. that was to, the, to this year plan to go Folkloric and Classic, but once a month. Group classes is what I'm doing right now. Mm -hmm, I see. So uh, in terms of teaching online, or teaching in person because teaching online it's kind of both relatively new for many teachers because it's only a few last years that we really actively do it but it's already a few years so it's kind of familiar too uh, what is for you in, is the main difference between teaching in person and teaching online do you see any differences or you found already the way that it's almost the same Teaching at the beginning was way more difficult online. You don't have the response of the student. You see them from the screen, but you don't really have the response. Mm -hmm. And sometimes they have cameras not open, so you don't see them. You don't really see if what you're teaching is passing. So at the beginning, that was difficult. 
But then I figured out a way and I realized that it's, it's possible to understand if they are having the information that you are trying to teach. And the second one, for some reason, I feel just online, I'm using way more energies than in, in person because they got lost in the screen. Mm -hmm. Like when you're in person, somehow you give and you get back because you're still in real life. So some energies are going and coming back. <laughs> but from the screen, it felt like they're going, they're going. Mm -hmm. So in the beginning, that was hard for me. Like I felt I was giving so much and nothing was coming back. But then I figured out a way to deal with it. And I understand I would not have a response. <laughs> So I just adjusted my adjusted. energy. Mm -hmm. And as a teacher now, did you find any advantages in online mm -hmm. teaching? Well, first advantage is that I have classes on my basement. So I just go down, <laughs> turn on the laptop and I'm in my home. So it's, it's easy. And it's easy also for the student because I'm giving recording and I realize people like really the recording so much nowadays because you don't you don't have to be online live at the time. Maybe they have 10 minutes one day, they watch a little bit, they come back another day. So for our busy life and different lifestyle, mm -hmm. I think it's helpful to have these online classes. Mm -hmm. I like them as a student because I'm also taking online classes as a student and I like to give them as a teacher. Mm -hmm. Well, I kind of feel, I don't always ask this question, but I kind of feel it by our energy. And there's so many things and topics we can go in, like diving deeper. But we are also in the middle of festival. I know you have show tonight, so I don't want, you know, to overtake all the time. So as we are slowly, slow, not yet, but slowly coming closer to the end of our conversation today, <laughs> uh, I kind of feel like, is there anything regarding subjects of what we talked or maybe something completely different that we didn't touch at all but that is important for you to share or to remind or to tell like you know to the dancers uh in terms of dancing teaching or something completely different that maybe we didn't had the opportunity to touch on today well it can be a little bit connected and i say that also like 10 minutes ago in the workshop <laughs> Like, um, we can still talk a little bit about energies and feeling. Because, um, as I say to you, it was a tool dance to make me feel better, to make me fall in love again with myself. And I told the student to really feel and love the movement. And, like, basic movement. <laughs> we were talking about the basic movement. And I was just saying to them, don't only do it but try to feel it. Mm. Try to feel what this movement is bringing into your body, which energy creates. Because it's, I'm talking a lot about energies today, but that's all is about, like, we are energies. We are mm -hmm. energies, everything is energy. And if you feel it, you're able to use it, transmit it, and they will, people watching you will perceive your movement, yourself so i'm always um stressing this out also during classes try to feel what you're feeling while you're dancing because it's not only about making a perfect figure eight and with no emotion it's like yes it's perfect people will see it but nothing comes out 
you can do maybe an ugly one, but with so many feeling that people is connected with you. They will dance with you. They will dance. They will enjoy the dance with you. So um, just talking about this, being maybe basic <laughs> with the movement, but mindful, connected with yourself, not just throw movements around, but what they make you feel. How are you feeling in this moment? What do you want to communicate? Why you went on stage? Why you went to the class? What are you feeling? So this is, I, I think, something it really matters to me to don't just do things for, I don't know, no reason. <laughs> I don't mm. know if you will agree, but I have one tricky question on my oh. mind. And it's a theoretical question, okay. like co completely imaginary, but I just kind of feel I'm curious uh, because we're talking about energy. So when you come to a, on stage as a performer, there is one energy of how you feel and how the dance makes you feel on stage. And there is another energy of how your audience feels that energy, because feelings are also energies. So there are two energies that are separate, but they're also interconnected and they mix. But if you have to imagine completely theoretical imagery situation, like it's completely like out of box, if you need to choose which energy to get as a priority and main focus? Mm -hmm. Would it be your energy as a performer and how dance makes you feel when you're on stage? Or is it the energy of audience, how they perceive and what they receive as an energy? And of course, I'm emphasizing this is completely like theoretical imagery situation uh, because obviously we, we worry about both. It's mm -hmm. exchange. Mm -hmm. But I just kind of want to dig a little bit deeper. If you imagine literally that you have to sort of cancel or refuse or push away one of the energies which one you will choose to focus on or keep let's say okay i can say it in this way um when i started i had a point that i wanted to go on stage and i wanted to be liked like everybody you know mm -hmm. so i was thinking i will do this so they will like me they will like my dance they will feel this so that was my idea back in mm -hmm. the days. At some point, something clicked. And I was like, I really love this. I'm just going to do this music, this thing, because it's, I love it. And my dance changed totally. So it was more like, what is making me feel? And then I realized, they just feel what I'm feeling. Mm. So it was, it's like, not selfish, but you are in charge when you're on stage. You are the one bringing the energies. You cannot be focused on what they will feel, what they are expecting from me, what they want. It's, it's you. You know what you want and you bring what you want. Such a good point. Mm -hmm. I just was listening to you and thought like, yeah, it's, it's the audience who comes to see you. It's not you who come to see the audience in that, in that act, let's say. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but of course, it's an exchanging. You take the energies yeah. and it, it's like a dialogue, but you set the dialogue. Yes, exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, of course. I mentioned like well, this, the model that I described is completely like theoretical, but it's just like I felt like, okay, if to dig deeper, like which one would be priority personally mm -hmm. for you? Um, well, I got right now a great energy exchange i'm so happy that we are doing it in person like you know here it's 
I'm pretty sure I would have the same energy if you, even if we were mm-hmm. doing it online, but I'm very happy that we do it in person. And uh, I know you still have to get ready for the evening, so I'll be mindful and let you go, <laughs> but with a promise we'll, we'll do part two I will at some be point. happy. But before I uh, let you go, <laughs> I uh, would like to ask, um, where is the best place for our listeners to follow your activity? Do you have mm-hmm. any preferable, favorite social media or maybe any other source that you update and people can find out about your activities and your classes? And if there are any events or things that you would like to share coming up maybe in summer mm-hmm. uh, season, so maybe people can, I don't know, maybe some festivals or anything, people can meet you or online events, whatever it is that you feel and like sharing. Okay, I'm a little bit on every social media, so Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and I have my main website. Uh, you can find information of all of those in if you go on instagram there is a link tree and you can find all of those but maybe on youtube there is more material and i'm having also many tutorials free classes so if you don't know me because maybe it's possible somebody listening to me they don't know me you can dance with me and i understand also it's a matter of money for some people so i wanted to give some free material mm-hmm. that is always available on youtube so i have a lot of new on youtube and then from there you can reach out to me oh, this summer i will be in several um places but it's easier to check on my website <laughs> so you can be updated from social media you can get in touch with me <laughs> sounds sounds good <laughs> i will definitely include links to your social media in the show notes so all listeners can Uh, easily connect yes. and find you and I would like to summarize our conversation with our traditional question which I think you are familiar okay. and I think it kind of really blends so nicely into what we were talking about we were talking about so the question is what makes you fall in love with belly dance again mm-hmm. and again so you keep doing this for so many years mm-hmm. It's just how it makes me feel. Until I feel what I'm feeling right now, that I'm so in love with the music, with the culture, with the people, with this sharing, with the student, with me being a, a student, with the, me being a teacher. As much as I feel this love, I will keep doing it. If one day it will be gone, it's unlike, unlikely as an option, but I will maybe change my path. I will go to something else. But now I just follow my heart. So that's it. <laughs> This episode was brought to you by the Yana Dance Club, bringing more consistency and more fun into your dance training online. Check it out at yanadanceclub.com, direct link in the show notes. And before you leave, don't forget to screenshot this episode and share it with your friends, as well as leave a review on iTunes or any other app you're using to listen to the show. The more people know about this podcast, the easier it is for me to bring even more awesome guests. Until next time, keep shimming and keep dancing.